station, but we're here for a real education. Welcome to A Real Education. I'm your host, Tim Wick. I am joined, as mostly always, <laughs> by uh, my co-host, uh, movie queen of the jungle, Melissa Kersher. <laughs> Hello! And yeah. by my other co-host, movie, we're going to say queen of well, uh, the aquarium, maybe. Ooh! So, oh, that's good. Yeah, I like that's, that. I mean, that's not bad. Queen of the aquarium, uh, mm-hmm. Jenny Young. Yay! Hello! Hello, and we are here to watch Tarzan the Ape Man, which I'm imagining that before we actually sat down to record, Jenna didn't even know we were going to re- be uh, talking about I had no idea. Because, you know, she wasn't here at our last recording when no. we decided. So, uh, yeah, we're watching Tarzan the Ape Man. So, having just been informed that's what we're watching, yes. Jenna, what do you know about Tarzan the Ape Man? Uh, nothing, except I'm guessing it's about Tarzan. Mm-hmm. And I saw the Disney version. Mm-hmm. So, I'm going to be like, yeah, there's there's uh, an, uh, a guy that like gets abandoned as a kid in the jungle and uh, grows up in the jungle and then some civilized people find him. All, All right. right. That's there fair. you go. That's uh, that's a completely fair assessment based on <laughs> what you know. And Tarzan, of course, is a uh, rather iconic figure within the world of cinema. Oh, goodness, yes. Yeah, he's been around... I, I he's I, I think he's one of the top ten like characters depicted in film. Yeah, and uh, you know, alongside like Sherlock Holmes and you know, yeah. just one of those characters and stories that gets recycled he over just, and over. Yeah, and over. he yeah. keeps showing up. Am I crazy, or is there an actual like the the Tarzan character itself based off of a book? Why yes. you are not crazy? Okay. Yes. yes, Edgar Rice Burroughs, who was a pulp writer in uh, the earliest. Well, he, uh, yeah, he published Tarzan in 1912 in a uh, pulp Ooh. series, and uh, it was later published as a book. Um, it w- it came out a little after he wrote a little book called Princess of Mars. Yeah. So he he was this pulp writer, and um, his his series about Tarzan took off. It spawned 25 sequels in terms of books. Wow. Um, by the time the man died, he was the world's most published writer no he was the world's best-selling author okay. yeah he, he, he was he did, immensely he did, prolific he did quite well for himself yeah and he, I, he i'm wrote pretty sure fun. that the first tarzan movie was not too long after the first tarzan book it's very true um, um there there was um like silent versions of the tarzan oh. story there were silent movie serials of the tarzan story um so what we're watching today is tarzan the ape man which came out in 1932 uh, which is uh when mgm got a hold of the copyright for the tarzan property and um it's not the first sound error tarzan because there was like one uh tarzan movie in 1920 oh tim you have no idea. You're laughing at me, but uh, <laughs> 1929 there was uh, a silent version made that um, since they had just developed the sound equipment to go sound, they kind of patched in some sound over the silent film just to make it into a sound film, including a Tarzan yell, which is nothing like the Tarzan yell that we know and love today. So that's kind of the first sound Tarzan. But 1932, this is like the full directed and made in sound with sound syncing equipment pre-Hayes Code Tarzan film. And a lot of the things that we think of as Tarzan, like the yodel and, uh, you know, Cheetah the Ape and, and all that stuff comes from this movie. Yeah, this is this is movie is is kind of it (coughs) defines Tarzan. It's the first the first really 
notable Tarzan. And we'll talk about some of the reasons for that, I think, after we watch the film. But I think, you know, you, we, you could pick a lot of different Tarzan movies to watch. But for real education, what we're trying to do is sort of the touchstone movies. And for Tarzan, yeah. this movie is the touchstone for Tarzan. Yeah, and there there are things that are iconic about this film that you don't even think about. Like like I said, the Tarzan yell comes from this movie. The 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 yodel that, you know, when when you say Tarzan, what everybody thinks of is the ah uh, that that whole thing here. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah. So, it and it and it's completely different than what it's written about in the novels, which we'll get into when uh after we, we watch the movie, yeah. because I have done a ridiculous amount of research <laughs> on the history of the use of sound in Tarzan properties. I have watched a ridiculous amount of Tarzan that, and listened to radio shows about Tarzan. Everything produced in between like 1912 and 1945, I have seen it or heard it. <laughs> wow. So um, I know a stupid amount of knowledge of trivia about this shit so anyway so yeah so yeah. we better watch the movie quick because yeah. we've got a lot to talk about when we come back so right. uh, we are going off to watch Tarzan the Ape Man which I will note uh, is in spite of the fact it was produced in 1932 is not available streaming anywhere what's up with that shit I know right yeah but you can probably find it on YouTube or around an archive.org yeah. or something I, I know that um, the copyright holders tend to keep a tight rein on Tarzan stuff but you can find it around yeah but, so nice. I found it uh, uh, on a rental, so... It's so that's what we're going to do. Mm -hmm. And you can do whatever you can do to watch the movie, and we'll be back here in a flash. And we are back. Many blackface, small, oh little people have been trampled <laughs> by Indian but not African lions. Uh, Jane has uh, elephants. said... Elephants. elephants. Sorry, elephants. Elephants. <laughs> elephants, my bad. It, oh, I, my God. You can't even still, get the species right. I was still stuck on the blackface <laughs> little oh people. Yeah, the blackface little people were... Oh. Jane oh. has uttered the word Tarzan countless times. Yep. Uh, and uh, Johnny Weismuller has uh, shown off his swimming skills. So, uh, Jenny, you have seen Tarzan the Ape Man. Please tell us, what are your thoughts about Tarzan the Ape Man? There are so many isms in this movie. Oh, goodness. Yes. Oh, my God. <laughs> There's a lot to I mean, you know, it's... A hundred years old, just just shy of like yeah yeah. You know, there's, there's, there's a lot of isms. Yeah, so mm. many isms. Yeah, there were. I I'm I'm honestly impressed that with the uh, the the Indian elephants in Africa, they managed to get cross species isms into yes. this. Yes. Like, well done. Well, yeah. they, well, even the um, oh god. <laughs> The the leopard <laughs> that they show is actually a Mexican jaguar. <laughs> you know, there, oh my there's god! So many incorrect things, and yet there are also oh. things they get right. Oh yeah, god! I, yeah. I, I I I really really like it. Um, the crocodiles, by the way, I don't think those were crocs. They sure look like alligators. To yeah, me. yeah. Um, well, they were they were filming part of the movie in Silver Springs, Florida, so I'm pretty so sure they're those probably were crocs. Games. Yeah, yeah. Pretty sure. Um, alligators, not crocs. So, so what? What gets me about this is that there is so much uh, animal action. Yeah, 
Um, as in, like, this is an action movie with the animals, and it happens to have this weird kind of romantic thing going on on the side with the humans. Mm-hmm. Like, well, it's a yeah. spectacle picture. It is. I, I mean, it's fantastic. The, um, I mean, the, the fir- very first of the, you know, of the silent era pictures, um, amongst the the experimental things that people were doing. Um, some of the most popular, very, very early movies were just travelogues. Taking a camera to the pyramids of Egypt, taking a ca- uh, camera to Africa, taking yeah. a cam- camera to India, and showing people what moving pictures of what life was like there. And so there's a legacy of that being pulled into the 1930s. And um, uh, it, you probably noticed there was a lot of stock footage in this movie um, mm-hmm. that just kind of edited in here and there and done and well v- done very well um all that footage was done by the same director a gentleman named uh w.s van dyke who we have already seen a movie by him what the thin man oh the yeah thin man series but which and there's a connection to the thin man in this film which we should talk about later yeah anyway. totally totally but they uh this was much earlier in his career and he the year before he did a movie called Trader Horn. And uh, tra- for Trader Horn, it was another one of those, these spectacle pictures. You know, let's take a camera into Africa and film a bunch of actual footage on location. And which was kind of edgy stuff to do at the time. It was, you know, very elaborately done. And so, you know, once you get to Tarzan, it's like, well, we have all this footage that we already shot. Let's use it. Nice. Uh, He was a very efficient director. He he became known as uh, One Shot Woody because he just, you know, filmed very, very fast. He could film a a movie in like 11, 15 days tops. And he'd just rip through the shots. And people liked working with him, and uh, he worked very cheaply, so he was... uh, uh, well employed for a long time. In demand, us. as they say. He was say. in demand. He was in demand. He was uh, so, Robert yeah. Rodriguez of the 1930s. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. He was actually. Here's a, here's a connection. Uh, he was the inspiration for Carl Denham in the King Kong movie. No. Oh, ah. Here we go. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. that's uh, that's going to be that's going to be important uh, later. A, well, later. Later. Um, file that one away, listeners. File yes. that one. Yes. <laughs> Ding. Check. Check yeah. it off. Check it. Tick. Okay. But, but so, yeah, so there, there's this interweaving of actual footage of Africa with uh, little, little white people in blackface. Yeah. Now, oh, you know, I think God. it's important when we talk about the racism in this movie, and there yeah. is a lot of oh, racism in yeah. this movie. If you've ever read the original Tarzan uh, book by Edgar Rice Burroughs, there is so much racism. Oh God, yes! It is. I mean, it's it's not even subtle. I mean, he writes about how Tarzan is this white man who is the son of like n- noble English people, mm-hmm. and basically talks about how there's no way that he could completely descend into savagery like the people who were in Africa. And I, it's been a long time yeah. since I've read the book, yeah. but I'm pretty sure he does say the black people in Africa and the fact that Tarzan is a white man who's the son of nobles means he's automatically just genetically better than all the other humans uh, in in Africa. And in the in the Tarzan series uh, of books, he's an educated man. He's, yeah. He's 
kind of far afield from the me Tarzan Eugene thing, which is not a line that appears in this movie, even though it's it's like the play it again Sam of this movie. Right. It, it's, it's he just says Tarzan Jane. Tarzan yeah. Jane Jane Tarzan Jane. Repeatedly, over, repeatedly, over, over, over boy, over, girl, over. It's really yeah, exciting. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah the di- the dialogue, I we you know, it's not. Uh, it's, it's rough. Not witty. It's yeah. not great. It's not. <laughs> yeah. It's not. I, I'll get into that later too. Uh, <laughs> but but the funny thing is that um, this movie, for being as iconic as it is in pop culture's understanding of what Tarzan is, the whole me Tarzan you Jane thing, pissed off Edgar Rice Burroughs. So he was he was kind of mad at MGM, and he was extra mad when it became. An astoundingly huge hit. Oops. So this movie was an enormous hit, very popular with the ladies for some reason. And um, oh, oh yeah. And so yeah, yeah Edgar wait. Rice Burroughs. Yeah, yeah, I know, right? <laughs> Pause for a second. Mm. Go on. Oof. Yeah, <laughs> right. So swim some more. So Edgar Rice Burroughs <laughs> went off on the side and sold the rights to Tarzan again to other companies. They were so other companies had competing. Tarzan series going on at the same time as the ah. Weissmuller movies at MGM. And when they got done with their contract after six movies, they never got the rights back. So um, there there were radio serials going at the same time. There, there was a competing set of um, movie serials being made at uh, was it RKO? I think it was RKO with a gentleman named Herman Bricks who uh, played Tarzan at, more like the character in the books because Edgar Wright's Burroughs was directly involved in the writing of <laughs> yeah. those serials. And they have a very interesting history too. And Herman Bricks actually had to change his name to Bruce Bennett to get any other work other than Tarzan in Hollywood. Oh, wow. Yeah, so like... Tarzan was such an iconic role. Even people who weren't Johnny and Weissmuller were having problems being cast as anything other than Tarzan. <laughs> wow. Yeah, and they still, yeah. there's Tarzan movie. I believe there's a Tarzan movie that's going to come out like this year or next. Yeah, if I remember. yeah very soon. Yeah, so so they just, the Tarzan is it all over the place. It just keeps going. Oh, and, Tarzan all the way down. But Here's Johnny Weissmuller is kind of, I mean, he's oh, the he's iconic Tarzan. But, I mean, he's interesting because you know, he's an, he was an Olympic swimming champion. Yeah. yeah he, uh, okay, Johnny Weissmuller, a man, <laughs> a man so Aryan. He was born in Germany, and his original name was Johann Peter Weissmuller, as in it had both a sharpest S and an umlaut. So wow. German. So German. So uh, he emigrated over to the United States at age three. And uh, he was actually kind of a sickly child, so a doctor suggested he should take up swimming. And from there, he became an Olympian. <laughs> he joined, he, he lied about his birthplace so he could uh, join the U.S. swim team. And he okay. competed in the Olympics. He won five gold medals, 67 world titles, 52 national titles. And he held every freestyle record from the 100 yards to the half mile. What? Like, oh incredible. my God! He was, he was a really gifted athlete. Yeah, and you know, apart from his obviously other attributes, mm. um, <laughs> you know, once he got started getting cast in movies, he had a, a certain appeal to him. You know, like yeah, he, he he's got this great physicality in the film that 
is oh, yeah. really fun to watch. Yeah, no, no I, like, I enjoy the Tarzan. Just basically, whenever the people who are who are from the other civilization are doing stuff, he's just got this. I don't know what the hell they're doing. Yeah, I, I just I am going to observe and learn. And he's he's, he's got. I hate to say animal magnetism, but he's got the. Yeah, he, he's he's got good mm, physicality mm, for the role. Yeah. And the, you know, and he I, looks good in a loincloth. He was a, before starting to be cast in movies, he was a BVD underwear model. <laughs> and yeah, when was. MGM wanted to cast him as Tarzan, they had to make a deal with BVD because BVD was like, you're not going to put him in a loincloth. You're going to show him in underwear. Like, <laughs> and, it's and, Tarzan! And MGM's like, uh, no, can we strike a deal here? So the deal that they struck... So that MGM could have him as Tarzan was, uh, BVD could have rights to some of the MGM actresses to put them in swimsuits for some of the ads. Oh! So, that was the deal. Nice. So, he had a proper loincloth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know. I'm really amused right now by the idea of Tarzan in BVDs. Yes, yeah. like, would, would this film be the iconic Tarzan if Tarzan had been in BVDs? I, yeah, just like, well, for um, the, this was not his first movie. His very first film role, uh, he played Adonis, and he was wearing only a fig leaf. So I would say he, oh, had, he was moving up in the world. At yeah, that point, yeah. He, he actually had you know a little That's, bit more yeah. coverage. In well, this. all right then. In later oh, movies, he was allowed to wear pants. <laughs> <laughs> no, he wasn't, actually. <laughs> well, certainly not. Okay, so he, he did six Tarzan movies with MGM. MGM lost the rights, so he got picked up for another tar- Tarzan series at RKO, and they didn't, like, another six movies. And after that, they, like, ran out of... Tarzan to make or something, so they started making these jungle gym movies. Uh, <laughs> they did sixteen of them with with Johnny Weissmuller, and literally they uh, it was in his contract that they could fine him five thousand uh, dollars for every pound he was overweight. <laughs> wow! So, wow! Like he was very strictly controlled in in how he could look. On film, so he stayed in shape. He stayed in shape for but many years. He had a very interesting life. Did he have a tragic death? Uh, not so much a tragic Aww. death. He he died fairly quietly when he was at home. But uh, you know, he, during his fame as Tarzan, it was pretty interesting. Like he he was very popular with the ladies. Like the audiences yep. loved yep. the women loved seeing him on film for yep. some reason. So MGM <laughs> uh, told him he had to divorce his wife, and they gave her ten thousand dollars to accept. So they divorced. What? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The the studio system in those days was. was Wow! Yeah, a little, a little, oh, a little sinister, even yeah. at times. There, um, he did run through a string of wives. I think he ultimately married six times. But he, uh, at another point, this was still when he was at MGM. He was married to uh, Lupe Velez, who was a uh, a, a notorious um, crazy lady, and <laughs> she. Yeah, she was like outright abusive. He would come to set with like bites and scratches and bruises from her, and the makeup man had to cover them all up. Oh wow! And so uh, 
I can't remember if they divorced, but eventually she did commit suicide in 1944. So she met a tragic end. So okay. there you go. So there you go. There's a there tragic end. Thank goodness. Um, also, um, <laughs> Weissmuller was very nearly caught up in the Cuban Revolution because he wound up in Cuba playing golf one day and suddenly revolution happened and all these soldiers <laughs> came onto the golf course. Oh and, my God. And um, he did the Tarzan yell for them and they go, oh, and they'll like shake his hand and like usher him into a safe space. But then, <laughs> Yes. So, so he actually did the Tarzan yell? I didn't... I... Well, here's here's the thing. There are like six or seven different theories about the Tarzan yell of what it is. Yeah, so, I know. And you're a total nerd about the sound effect thing. Oh, God. Oh. There, there is so much to unpack <laughs> just about the sound effects of this movie and the whole series. Uh, so and, let's sit back, Tim, and let yeah. it go. No, yeah, I so, so <laughs> there's... One of the theories is that um, sound artist Douglas Shearer who worked on this movie, um, I think he's officially credited with making the call. And um, theories are that he combined an actual like Austrian yodeler with various animal sounds and all this stuff and just blended them manually on tape. And then uh, that was the Tarzan yodel. But whether or not that is true... Weissmuller could do the call on his own. He won a lot of drinks at bars that way. Oh. Nice. <laughs> so, you know, friends of his, Marino Sullivan, everybody was like, yeah, he could do the call. And, nice. And so a lot of people said, yeah, that actually was just him in the studio one day. Um, a little further on in the series, I think it was in Tarzan and his mate, Marino Sullivan gets her own call. She gets a Jane call. Oh. So, you know, a little equality there. there. It's... That, that, that was totally very... makes up for all of the other isms that we right? saw in yeah. this movie. I, you know what? I do appreciate that at one point Jane has a rifle and is shooting hippopotami. Oh, yeah. yeah, I'm all for yeah, that. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, she she does a lot of screaming and being damsel in distress, yeah. but every now and again she actually gets to be. Now, now, Maureen yeah. O'Sullivan. We should point out we've seen oh, yeah. her before. We talked about Thin Man. Maureen O'Sullivan mm-hmm. was in. The Thin Man, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, she she gets to play. She was around for a long time. Oh, yeah. She had a long career. Well, a long career, but um, she stepped away mo- from acting mostly in the 1940s. Her big heyday was in the 30s. So she was uh, born in Ireland, education edu- educated in Ireland and London and Paris. Um, I think she was close friends with Vivian Lee when she was young, <laughs> and they both went into Hollywood. Uh, when she was 18, uh, she wound up meeting director Frank Borzage in 1930 because he was filming a movie in Berlin, and he said, hey, you should screen test for my movie. And she screen tested well, and he's like, hey, you're in the movie. Let's go to Hollywood and finish this movie. And so suddenly, she is a star, <laughs> nice. and she is one of the, the big female stars in MGM, just like out of the blue. Um she, you know, obviously she's beautiful. She's got a great screen presence. She's a lot of fun to watch. And uh, everything I've heard is she was just a delight to work with. Everybody seems to like her. And, you know, when I see her in documentary footage talking about anything, it's like, I like you. So she's fun. <laughs> um, in the 1940s, she did drop out of acting a bit. She would occasionally pop up and do a role here and there. Like, even into the 1980s, she was doing the occasional role. Like, she was in uh, Peggy Sue Got Married, if I remember yeah. right. Mm-hmm. Um, stuff like that. But she stepped back because she wanted to spend more time with her husband and her seven kids. One of those kids was Mia, Mia Farrow. Farrow, which Yay. means at various points in her life, Marina Sullivan was the mother-in-law of Andre Previn, 
and Frank Sinatra. And sort <laughs> and Woody of Allen. and sort of Woody yes, Allen. Yeah, they, they never, never got married. married. They never yeah. married. Uh, mm. you know. Uh, Which so. is probably just as well given how that all worked yeah. out. But uh <laughs> <laughs> And apparently she hated the chimpanzee. She called the the chimpanzee that ape son of a bitch. <laughs> but Johnny Weismuller did not. Johnny Weismuller was totally besties with Cheetah, the the chimpanzee. <laughs> anyway, they were buds. They, they were, were buddies. buds. They, they, they had like initial confrontation on the set, and like Johnny Weismuller actually slapped the 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 uh, chimpanzee on the, the upside of the head, and the they understood each other. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so could the chimpanzee do the call? Never mind. I don't think we need to know that. Um, well, he does take up smoking in one of the later movies, which is a, <laughs> the best thing. Smoking monkey. Yeah. Oh, God. Oh, the worst of humanity. The, the, the string of MGM movies are absolutely delightful because they go straight into crazy town. Because you get like three movies in. Um, you've got, you know, smoking chimpanzees. You have, um, let's see, uh, give me a second. I have my notes from when I was watching all these right in front of me. Uh, let's see. Tarzan that monkey was so smart. Oh my God. Tarzan the Fearless. Yeah, there's, uh, you know, first of all, Tarzan the Fearless, there's the whitest Egyptians I've ever seen. <laughs> and uh, that's when they stopped. Well, that beats the oh, I'm sorry, blackest. That, that, that beats beats the blackest white little people. Although that one starred Buster Crab, who was Flash Gordon. So Flash, like everybody had a, a turn at Tarzan if they had abs, you know. Uh, so I have to check yeah. out more Tarzan. I <laughs> oh yeah. So one of the things that made uh, Tarzan the Ape Man very magnetic to people is the chemistry between O'Sullivan and Weissmuller. Oh, yeah. You know, after she gets done screaming, it's like they're they're feeling it you know they're they've got a really nice on-screen chemistry and it it is really prevalent in the later films because you go into tarzan and his mate which is 1934 um there is literally a full-on full frontal nude scene Whoa. this is still pre-haze code so there is yeah. a synchronized swimming scene where it's filmed underwater jane is dark raven naked Weissmuller still has a, a loincloth, but it's this long swimming scene of them kind of just going through the water, and then they go up on land, and Jane bats her eyes and looks lustfully at him, and kind of at the camera, like you're, you've got Tarzan's point of view, and sure. so she's staring at the camera with the bedroom eyes, and it kind of goes in, and and she has a, a flower in her hand, and you, all you see is the her hand go into the water and release the flower into the river. It's like, oh, that's sex <laughs> happening there. That is that is pure sex. <laughs> I mean, you kind of see it in this movie too. It's like scene to scene. There's one scene where he he rescues her, and the next scene she's like, got the you know the afterglow. She's got the postcoital glow. Yeah. <laughs> she's like, oh Tarzan. <laughs> I don't know. I just this is this is this is fa fantastic. It's like wind up Melissa on this yeah. movie. <laughs> yeah, oh, let her go. There's Tarzan escapes in 1936. Um, by that time, Jane has a bungalow made out of like leaves and vines that Tarzan has built her. She has like a kitchenette, um, and there are ropes and things to automate the kitchen. 
There's like a ceiling what? fan that is run by chimpanzees. I'm not <laughs> lying. And what? there's running water. It's a treetop thing. Because <laughs> if I remember right, there's an elephant involved in that. And um, if we're talking about, you know, poorly placed sound effects, there, <laughs> the final scene involves hordes of iguanas, which first of all don't come from Africa, no, and they are really also vegetarian, don't. roaring and eating people. Yeah! Really Man me. eating iguanas! What? <laughs> Man eating iguanas! Man eating iguanas! Ominous, <laughs> growling, roaring. Well, there, there's there's not a lot of understanding of, of the creatures of uh, Africa yeah. or any other mm. continent, really. I mean, yeah. they, they just um, they just kind of yeah. throw animals in there. I, I, I kind of like, love only... how this one, there's like sort of an effort because, first of all, you have Indian elephants who have smaller ears being used for African elephants, and they actually take the time to make prosthetic ears for their elephants. I want a prosthetic <laughs> elephant ear so bad. Yeah, right? You have no idea. <laughs> like, uh, uh, yeah, like those are those love. are those are pretty oh, pretty God. aces. I like I like the prosthetic. God, that, that ears. was just the best. And the, the but I mean they, they get they get, like the hippopotamus is being a threat. They get that right. Yeah, ah. yeah. Hippopotamus, hippopotami will fuck your shit up. Hippopotami yeah. are, are are literally the most yeah. deadly animal in Africa. More people die every year from hippo attacks than any other creature. Now, part of that is because people are dumb yeah. and they think hippos are so cute. Hippos are safe. You know, the whole thing when when they they're like going across the river and it's like you don't want the hippo to capsize the boat because the crocs will eat you. It's like no, you don't want a hip the hippos to capsize the boat because the hippo will fuck you up. It won't yeah. eat you. It'll just kill you because it's like two tons of animal mm-hmm. yeah. and those jaws are strong yeah. and they they really are territorial. Mm-hmm. Um, the crocs are like whatever. Yeah, that's way too big for me to eat. You mean uh, well, alligators? Or... <laughs> and, and also, I love the lions. Don't live in the jungle. They live in the savanna. Same yeah. with the zebras. And you know, it's just kind of this yeah. weird mashup. When they do have the right animal, it's not in the right environment. There's and not even that much jungle just, in Africa, really. Well, yeah, I mean, there is there's some, the but coast and, but uh, yeah, it. Um, there, and there's the, a lot of big vast middle part. Yeah, they just yeah. Uh, they kind of they kind of play fast and loose with. Well, it's like they really don't care. Uh, yeah, and and you know once you get into later movies and especially the ones that aren't weren't made at MGM, um, yeah, speaking of weird sound effects, you start getting things that are completely out of place because they don't care. It's like oh that's a peacock call. You you don't you don't know where peacocks are found, do you? But uh, <laughs> or the origin of using the kookaburra call at to signify. The jungle. That is an Australian bird, and it does not live in a jungle. So, I I, I did watch like forty five hours of Tarzan movies just to get to the conclusion of yes, it was a Tarzan film that first had the the uh, kookaburra call and once it was used in one of the tarzan movies which happens to be okay i love this it was in tarzan and the green goddess of 1938 which is a re-edit of a tarzan serial uh from 1935 it's actually the second re-edit so there were three goddamn times i had to watch the same story (laughs) to watch the serial i had to watch the first re-edit and then the second one (laughs) and that (laughs) 
This is where this entire this entire experience has left scars. Yes. Uh, I didn't realize we'd opened such deep wounds. If I had known this was going to happen when we picked this movie, I might have I might have said it was maybe maybe Melissa needed to get a little further from. (laughs) I'm finding my center right now. Okay, it's fine. It's fine. All right, so uh, we've uh, we've been talking about this movie for a while. I think maybe it's time for us to do final thoughts. Okay. So, Melissa, I'll let you sort of scan through and figure out what your oh, final God. thought is. Oh, and I'll let yeah. Jenna go first. Jenna, what's your final thought oh, on Tarzan God. the Ape Man? Oh, that monkey was so brilliant. Like, that, yeah, I know, seriously, right? Seriously, like, the chimpanzee is like, I'm gonna go for help, and I'm gonna, you know, and wait a minute, you guys, this is messed up. Come on. Like, it's just wandering around fixing things. And I'm like, you go, monkey. Like, and, well done. And with, and with, you know, that monkey around, you can mm. understand why why Jane winds up with a bungalow three movies in. And well, I think yeah. we do need to point out it is not a monkey. It's an ape. It, it, but, it's uh, yeah, it's chimp. Chimps are apes, not monkeys. The somebody's monkey. gonna somebody's <laughs> gonna be like, you guys are talking about how they got all the animals wrong and then you're calling an ape a monkey. Okay, so, yeah, uh, Melissa... Final thoughts. I've got, I've got a three, four for. Um, four for. Oh, oh, this thought, will be quick. This will final be quick. thought. Okay, this thought will be, part one point part, one. Yeah. Ding. Final thought. A. Um. Some of the movie. Some of the movie monkeys escape the set, and they are current. Their descendants are currently breeding and living in Florida. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um. C. Aubrey Smith is in this movie. The stiff upper lip Brit, British man oh, yeah. who is in every movie being a stiff upper lip British gentleman because he was like the prototypical one. He's in Hitchcock's Rebecca and Prisoner of Zenda. Um, And and this is the most British thing I've ever heard. Um, In the late 1880s, before he started acting and while he was mining for gold in South Africa, he developed pneumonia and he was wrongly pronounced dead. Yay! Yeah! Oh my god, and yes. He, he was the inspiration for the character Commander McBrag in the, the Tennessee Tuxedo Curtain. <laughs> so, 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 you know, totally that guy. Okay. Also, we've got Neil Hamilton in this movie as the not-Tarzan love interest. Yeah. Did you the, guys recognize the- him? He's Commissioner Gordon. <laughs> the Adam West TV series, he was Commissioner Gordon. Oh my god, that's fantastic. <laughs> he was the only member of the supporting cast in the Adam West TV series to be in every single episode. Oh! Yeah, yeah. Well done. yeah. He used to be a, a shirt model before he started acting. And wow. the last thing, now when we were talking about the dialogue, <laughs> this is something I only noticed tonight. That I, was, uh, I glanced up during the credits and went, what the hell is his name doing there? For dialogue. Ivor Novello, who worked on the script alongside Cyril Hume. Cyril Hume did the story. Cyril Hume wrote um, Forbidden Planet, actually. Oh, Forbidden but Planet. Ivor Novello, I know that name because he was a matinee idol in the silent era. And Hitchcock's The Lodger, which is his first big movie where Hitchcock started becoming actual Hitchcock, Ivor Novello was the lead. So why was he doing dialogue? Um, so I looked him up, and uh, he apparently was also a writer and a composer. So he wrote a whole bunch of the British like war-going songs, you know, like the the sentimental songs and the the rabble rouser, let's go to war and fight for freedom and honor and whatever. 
He wrote Not like German. 250 of those. And oh so he's still getting credited today in movies because he wrote a couple of the real standards of that era. Nice. So th- there's oh, a statue well, of him in Cardiff. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. For, for doing that stuff. So anyway, um, also, uh, uh, this is another <laughs> thing. Part five. Yeah, this is the last thing. This is the last thing, <laughs> um, which I found very sweet. Um, he was with his companion, Robert Andrews, for 35 years. Aww. He passed away. So. Well, that's mm-hmm. good to know. Yeah. All right. So uh, good. I don't have to say anything else about this movie. Because <laughs> right. uh, I already said it. Except oh. it's it's kind yeah, of just, amazing just that when they when they decided <laughs> that it was time to get a whole bunch of actual Africans on the set rather than using stock footage, they decided they would just put a bunch of little people into blackface. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh God, it's horrible. Uh, it's just it's you know. And then the there's the elephant that picks one up and throws oh it around. I'm like, I, don't, the, I don't, I'm so conflicted with all the isms right now. Oh God, that uh, Venn diagram is so confusing. <laughs> the the non African elephant flinging around the non African pygmy. Like yes. I'm just like, what? Yes, what's happening here? Yeah, you know. Um, I just watch a film like that and go, boy, is Peter <laughs> Dinklage lucky that oh, God. he was oh, not born in that era. Oh, oh man. my goodness. Because they, they didn't quite know how to use actors of his stature at that time. Nope. Uh, anyway, so uh, real final thought. Uh, <laughs> the next movie we are going to be watching is King Kong. Yes! Where we note that there was a connection between the director of this film and a character in, in King Kong. the movie King Kong. So uh, we look forward to watching that with you. Uh, thanks so much for joining us. If indeed you have joined us, if you haven't, you don't even hear me saying this, so that, I that, don't know why I brought it up. That got weird, too. Yeah. That, well, what? It, it often does around Hey, guys, time. thanks for listening. Appreciate Bye. it. Bye. Bye. We hope you enjoyed our film fixation. We'll see you next time on A Real Education. Dee, dee.